Welcome everyone to the Today in Space podcast. To the regular listeners, welcome back. To any new listeners, this is your entertainment show on space. We cover what's happening on Earth, in orbit, or in space, focused on the here and now. I'm your host, uh, Greco, or Alex Rafanos. Either way, I'm an aerospace engineer, and I'm here to bring anyone with ears and a passion for the unknown into the world of the space industry. All you have to do is keep asking questions. Today's episode is all about Mars exploration. We'll be focusing on the rovers sent by NASA to the Red Planet and quickly overview what they found. We're also going to get into uh, a little bit of the history so that you can we can all sort of understand, you know, the whole importance of, like, what's actually happening out there. Like, it just seems a little, if you don't understand the history of it, it's, it's like, eh, whatever. You know, it's something else. Um, I, I, personally, I learned a lot about it doing the research for the show. I, you know, uh, I joke that I'm kind of a bad uh, <laughs> uh, space enthusiast, not because I wasn't into it before I got into this being my career, but... Um, it's just, it's very interesting how, how little you actually learn about it. Now, in the age where you can find almost anything on the internet, the future, uh, it's, it's really fascinating. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy uh, what I've uh, put together here for the show. Um, let's go over a few things. If uh, First of all, the show uh, and everything else is posted on todayinspace.net. That's my website. That's where I post everything. And uh, if you're... If you have a desktop or a laptop, uh, that's really, I think, the, the, the main, uh, you can get the best use out of uh, the website doing it there. Uh, but it's good on any platform, um, tablet, uh, smartphone, uh, anything else. Uh, I mean, I think some of the, uh, some of the new um, game systems you can even go online. But uh, just check it out. Um, if... If you're listening to this, uh, I'd assume you're subscribed. If not, uh, please subscribe to the show. Uh, it helps the numbers. And as we found out, uh, thanks to the assistant and uh, some of the older listeners, subscription is free. Um, you know, I, I, I live in a time where subscription just means you got to sign up to a link and that way you get stuff. Before, it was all about uh, you'd have to pay for it. It was a monthly subscription, a yearly subscription, whatever it was, and you had to pay for it. This is free. This is free. Uh, what it does is it keeps you connected to the show. Every time something new comes out, uh, you will get it updated on your feed. Um, it's free. It raises the numbers, gets awareness out there. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. There's a button on the homepage uh, of todayinspace.net. Uh, there's, you can also do it on Android platforms. Uh, I use Podcast Addict. I'm a newly transferred uh, Android user. Um, I've made the switch. My droidception is complete, and uh, I gotta say, I'm, I'm I enjoy it. But uh, you can also look it up there. I actually checked it out the other day. Um, the The same stuff that gets posted on the website actually gets posted in the details for the podcast on, you know, for I use Podcast Addict. That's that's what I use. Uh, it looks pretty good. I'm actually relatively impressed. I think iTunes has updated theirs to do somewhat of the same thing. Um, but uh, other than that, guys, uh, let's get into it. Um, is there anything else we should talk about? Oh, well, let's just a few events that are coming up. This Friday, 
uh, March 27th. Let me make sure that date's correct. Yes, March 27th. Uh, Scott Kelly, NASA Scott Kelly, astronaut, and um, uh, there are uh, two other cosmonauts, if I'm not mistaken. They are going to be launching aboard a Soyuz and going to the International Space Station for their year in space. The first time that's ever been done. It's happening this Friday. This Friday, people. So make sure to check that out. I am taking uh, a class right now, and we have to do these makeup days. And, of course, we have to go for a four-hour class on Friday. So I don't know if we'll be able to do a launch hangout, um, but... Uh, I will at least have my cell phone with me, so I'll be able to keep people up to date. Uh, you can either follow me on Twitter at lgreco, E-L-G-R-3-C-O, where I'll be, when I can, updating about that. Or you can go to the homepage of todayinspace.net and look under the com link. And that is my Twitter feed up there. So either way, whether you have Twitter or not, you can still follow. There's also... If you use Facebook, we have the Today in Space podcast page. Uh, that's where I put daily tidbits about what happened today in space and any type of year or just articles that I find interesting that are related to space. I also post 3D printing uh, stuff because uh, I'm getting into that. Uh, we'll, we'll have episodes in the future about that, uh, just getting it going while taking classes. And uh, creating this business is... Uh, a little too much. I haven't figured out uh, the right uh, <laughs> balance yet, but I'm getting there. Uh, the The Facebook page reached uh, 425 people this past week, so that's fantastic. Um, it seemed like uh, the most uh, <laughs> the most popular things were the auroras on St. Patty's Day. Uh, there was also um, a lot of interest in the total eclipse, total solar eclipse. Uh, we were not able to see it, uh, the U.S., uh, but there was plenty of videos. Uh, that alone, um, especially just information on how to view a solar eclipse. I, I didn't know this, but uh, you can't use number 12 uh, sunglasses. You, you have to use a, a number 14 uh, welder's glass, or you've got to use a, uh, a pinhole box, uh, which I put pictures up of that as well. Um, but people were very interested in that. So, uh, without that, guys, uh, I'm sorry, other than that, I'm not speaking correctly today. Other than that, uh, let's get into it and let's talk a little bit about the rovers with a little history of how we started this. Before we get more into the rovers and what they have found on Mars, it's important for us to know how we got to this point in the first place. This is the history of Mars exploration brought to you by Today in Space. Let's go through the decades starting in 1960 and see what we as humans did right, what we did wrong, and how we overcame those complications and failures on our journey to the red planet Mars. Let us start in the decade of the early 1960s into the 1970s. The Soviet Union was the first to try to reach Mars, followed shortly after by NASA's Mariner 3 spacecraft. USSR's Marsnik 1 and 2 launched in late 1960, but both spacecrafts didn't reach Earth orbit. Sputnik 22 and 24 launched 
in late 1962, but only managed to reach Earth orbit. The USSR's Mars 1 launched in late 1962. It successfully launched and escaped Earth's orbit, but after almost 66 million miles, the spacecraft's radio failed and communication was lost. The U.S. tried to do a flyby of Mars in late 1964, but when the shroud encasing the spacecraft at the top of the rocket failed to jettison, the mission failed. But on November 28, 1964, NASA's Mariner 4 launched and became the first spacecraft to make it to the Red Planet. It performed a flyby of Mars on July 14, 1965, and sent 21 photos back to Earth. NASA also sent Mariner 6 and 7 in 1969, and both reached Mars and sent back a few dozen photographs. These photos showed that the surface of Mars was full of craters and led people to believe that the red planet was just like our own moon. Ironically, it was only because those spacecraft happened to fly over a specifically cratered area of Mars. USSR launched Zond 2 two days after Mariner 4 was launched. The spacecraft made its flyby past Mars, but the radio failed once again and didn't send back any planetary data. The second half of the decade was filled with more attempts and most of them failed to reach their target. The USSR's 1969A and 1969B launched in 1969. Mars orbiters either failed during launch or never reached Earth orbit. In 1971, both countries attempted launches. The U.S.'s Mariner 8 failed during launch, and Cosmos with a K, 419, was only able to reach Earth orbit. The Soviet Union successfully reached Mars in late 1971 with their Mars 2 orbiter. Mars 2 was a combo orbiter lander. The orbiter worked well, but the lander crashed on the surface of Mars. Mars 3 arrived in late 1971 as well, after Mars 2 had reached the Red Planet a month before. The lander worked this time, but only for a few seconds, and then failed. Until this point, all that was known was that Mars was very similar to our own moon. When NASA's Mariner 9 reached Mars in November of 1971, that all changed. The entire planet was completely covered in a dust storm and appeared to have these things poking out above the storm clouds of dust. After the dust settled, scientists noticed that those things were the tops of dormant volcanoes. Mariner 9 also discovered the huge rift across the surface of the planet, later named Valles Marineris, after the spacecraft itself. Mariner 9 spent almost a year orbiting Mars and returned 7,329 images of space back to work in 1972. In retrospect, it's incredible that we as humans tried to go to another planet so soon after sending our first object into space. After only three years, when Sputnik was launched in 1957, humans decided to go to their first planet. By the end of this decade, we found out that Mars was not just another same old planet, but a very different place altogether. It was also very clear that getting to this planet was not easy. And there you have it. Uh, that's the first decade of 
four decades that we'll be talking about uh, throughout the show. Um, found some really great stuff online, a uh, large majority, especially for uh, Mars exploration through the decades. Uh, started my research, uh, the link will be up, but uh, a great, great article uh, by Elizabeth Howell from space.com. Um, that's kind of where I found and started most of that information and then kind of put some stuff here and there. But all the information that you'll hear me talk about on this episode will also be available on the website in the same link. Um, so if you want to check it out yourself, feel free to. It'll be right there for you. Now, um, we'll talk about the first uh, set of rovers um, that will be talking about their explorations. Uh, we'll start with uh, the Mars Exploration Rovers, Spirit and Opportunity. Uh, NASA's Mars Exploration Rovers, Spirit and its twin Opportunity, were designed to study the history of climate and water at sites on Mars where conditions may once have been favorable to life. Each rover is equipped with a suite of scientific instruments to read the geological record at each site, to investigate what role water played there, and to determine how suitable the conditions would have been for life. Uh, Spirit uh, was, was dubbed the Wonderful Workhorse. Um, it was built for a 92-day mission, uh, but explored for years past its original mission design. It was a stunning success. Uh, we found out that we could actually build sturdy rovers for Mars. Uh, some of the finding was that ancient Mars itself was much different than the Mars is today. The Mars of today is. <laughs> uh, there's also, uh, there was evidence, strong evidence, that Mars was wetter than it is now. That evidence was found in a silica patch, which apparently was produced by hot springs or steam vents. Uh, and they compared that to what we see on Earth to what they saw there, and the natural assumption is, yes, that's that's must have been where it came from. Unless some other facts come up that disprove that, that's where we're going to go for that. Uh, there was also a better understanding of the Martian winds. Uh, the Spirit rover took movies of dust devils that were captured um, with the, the video on, on board the rover. Um, there was also continued discoveries even after getting stuck in deep sand, which is when uh, the rover uh, in May of May 25th of 2011 was uh, was cleared dead um, because it, it it just got stuck in that deep sand and couldn't go anywhere in uh, the Gusev uh, crater, um, and the rover was silent since uh, March 2010. Opportunity. Uh, was a second rover to land on Mars. Um, it showed dramatic evidence uh, that its area on Mars was wet for a long period of time long ago. Uh, the conditions could have been suitable for sustaining microbial life. Now, scientists believe uh, the landing site, uh, the Merid... Wait, hold on a second. Let me say this right. The Meridiani Planum. There you go was once the shoreline of the Salty Sea that was on Mars. Um, and, and new information, I, I see these in, in what I call now uh, the dailies, um, which are, are articles on kind of scientific findings. Um, have kind of a infamous relationship with, with dailies. Uh, I don't trust them too much, but they're nice. But anyways, some of the new findings shows that there was... Uh, now a sea on uh, the there used to be a sea a pretty large sea comparable to the Atlantic Ocean on Mars at one point. 
but enough of me ranting about dailies. Uh, Opportunity also analyzed exposed rock layers, um, and they were recording how environmental conditions changed over time. So, let me let me back up and say that again. It analyzed exposed rock layers that recorded how environmentally uh, how environmental conditions changed over time. Wow, this, this is just difficult for me today. I apologize. Uh, and Opportunity also holds the all-time driving record of tw- more than 20 kilometers, and it, it held out on March of 2010, uh, which essentially, is that a marathon? I believe it's a marathon. Um, and, and the accomplishments for both, uh, both rovers, Spirit and Opportunity, uh, both rovers far exceeded their design specs and returned scientific results that totally transformed our understanding of Mars. Uh, let's see, some important dates uh, for the Mars Exploration Rovers. Um, June 10th, 2003, Spirit launched. Uh, July 7th, 2003, basically a month later, Opportunity launched. Spirit uh, landed on Mars January 4th, 2004, almost uh, six months later. And 21 days later, Opportunity had its Mars landing. And we'll be back after this next decade to talk a little bit more about some fast facts uh, provided by NASA uh, on their website, nasa.gov. And we'll be be talking about a question. uh, Why does it look like something is taking the pictures of the rover, specifically Curiosity? Um, Why does it look like, why is there no arm? You know, you see those selfie sticks now and all that stuff. why does it look like something's taking its picture? We'll be back with that answer right after this. Back then, in space. The next decade, the 1970s to the 1980s. Now we land on Mars and reach for Phobos. This decade is focused on sending orbital land to Phobos, where an orbital would part from orbit through scientific work while the lander would be sent down to try and land on the surface and explore. It was also when we decided to look for signs of life on the red planet. The Soviet Union kept the Mars series of spacecraft going. Mars 4 launched in mid-1973, but the orbiter flew right past Mars on February 10, 1974. Failure was blamed on the onboard computers, which failed after a course correction Mars Fire launched a few days after Mars 4 in 73. It arrived to Mars on February 12, 1974, but only lasted a couple of days. The failure was said to be from a micrometeoroid impact after the spacecraft went into its orbit and the pressure compartment with the instruments was broken. Mars 7 and 6 used fly-by bus and lander Mars 6 successfully made it to Mars with the lander on March 3rd, 1974. The lander crash landed and failed due to a fast impact. It did return data for 224 seconds, but due to a design flaw where a chip had degraded on its way to Mars, most of that data was useless. Mars 7 launched successfully a few days after Mars 6 in late 1973. The Mars flyby module and lander arrived in March. 
Lander attempted to release from a fly-by bus, but initially failed to. Once it did, the lander attempted its descent. But due to retro rocket failure, it skipped off the atmosphere of Mars instead of landing, missing the planet completely. The failure was due to faulty transistors, which were also an issue on Mars 4. Phobos 1 and 2, which were missions to reach one of the moons of Mars called Phobos, both failed. Phobos 1 was lost en route to the planet, while Phobos 2 was lost near Phobos. Meanwhile, NASA started its Viking missions and launched two sets of orbiters and landers to Mars in 1975. Both Viking mission orbiters and landers were able to send back over 50,000 photos from Mars. Viking 1 and 2 both arrived at the Red Planet in 1976. Both sent landers to the surface while their orbiters worked diligently in orbit above. Viking 1's orbiter was in operation from June 1976 to 1987, while the lander operated from July 1976 to 1982. The lander held the record for the longest Mars surface mission of 2,387 days, or 2,245 souls, or Mars days, until 2010. The took the first image from the surface of Mars on its first day after it landed. On the day after, it sent back the first color photo of the surface of Mars ever taken. The lander was to analyze the soil and search for life. Viking 2's orbiter operated from August 1976 to 1987, and the lander operated from September 1976 to 1980. Lander also was tasked to analyze the soil and search for signs of life. At the end of this decade, it seemed that hopes for life on Mars were slashed down, since the probes could not prove definitively that microbes were on the surface. In retrospect, these results are still controversial, as more is understood today about microbial activity. Viking was also able to analyze the atmosphere. The composition was almost identical to some of the meteorites we have on Earth. This showed that some of the meteorites from Earth originally came from Mars, relighting the spark that life once existed on the planet. And there you have it. A pretty difficult decade uh, in general for uh, just space travel. Uh, some good things, some bad things. Uh, the thing I, I got to have is it's amazing how many times we've tried to launch something and it's failed, and then it's just free in space. We don't know where it is because we lost contact with it, and it's just f orbiting something right now. Um, uh, but I guess that's why it's good that, that it's so massive and that there's so much what we'd call empty space, because uh, otherwise things would just be freaking crashing into everything all the time. But uh, let's get into the fast facts of uh, the Mars Exploration Rover's Spirit and Opportunity. Uh, so, um, first of all, a Martian day, or a soul, is 24 hours, 39 minutes, and 35 seconds, or 1.027 Earth days. So it's a little bit longer. Um, Spirit was expected to operate for 91 Martian days. Um, in 2010... Opportunity surpassed Viking One's uh, Viking One Lander's endurance uh, record. Um, 
Spirit went 7,730 meters, or five miles, uh, before getting uh, stuck in the deep sand. Uh, Both rovers each weighed 400 pounds, about, or 180 kilograms. Uh, Spirit traveled 500 million kilometers on its way to Mars. Um, And I think most importantly... Uh, Spirit carried a memorial to the crew of the space shuttle Columbia to the surface of Mars, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I think it's awesome that we can can commemorate those people for that uh, millions of miles away on a totally different planet. That's amazing. Now on to the question. Why does it look like something is taking the rover's pictures in all of its selfie pictures? Or why is the arm missing in all of them? According to a Curiosity Rover report uh, from June 13th, 2013 on YouTube, which the link will be on because it is a little bit easier to see this visually, but basically uh, the rover takes pictures with uh, uh, the camera that's on the end of a two-meter arm. So what it does is basically it takes a whole bunch of little individual pictures around the rover, and then uh, because the... The, the size of the frame is so small, it takes little parts. And then when the rover arm swings around and does the floor underneath the rover, it's it's already gone around the arm. So the arm never even gets into the picture. Um, you know, I'm sure you could do this if, if you did this with uh, a real camera. I'd actually like to try that to see um, if you can get it to reenact that. But the animation in the video shows it pretty well, and it seems pretty reasonable. Um, but that is why you can't see the arm. Now, I'll take a quick second just to uh, remind people, uh, listeners, that we still are having the competition uh, for uh, for any artists out there, anyone who likes to draw or paint or anything artistic. Uh, we're still having a competition for the website uh, and to give you a, a chance for some free publicity. So uh, I've had a few entries already, um, and I think we're going to keep going until, uh, we'll just say, the second week of April. That'll be the last chance for people to uh, just say that they're, they want to be in the competition. Uh, if you want to be in the competition, email me at todayinspacepodcast at gmail.com uh, or go to the website and click the contact button or um, go to either uh, Twitter uh, at El Greco, E-L-G-R-3-C-O, or the Today in Space podcast Facebook page uh, and contact me there. Anyway is, is fine, um, and just let me know that you do want to be involved because um, I'll have to close it at that point and then give people a chance to finish their projects. Um, what is the competition? The competition is I've got two areas on the home homepage. Uh, the, uh, they are the com link and the search for topics. Um, you know, we use the white background. Uh, did that on purpose, um, but I like to jazz it up a little bit. And uh, you know, I'm I'm very artistic. I, I like to draw, and I'd like to give other people who are interested in the arts a chance to to show off what they've done. If you do get picked, uh, you'll be able to put uh, your tagline, name, uh, email address, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. You'll pick one of those, and in the bottom right of your piece will be your name, and you'll be able to uh, show off what you've done. Um, and basically, for the shirts, for uh, uh, just draw anything that you think is appropriate. It's got to be space-related, obviously. Aliens are acceptable. 
um, and just have fun with it. Uh, from what I've seen and talked to a few of the contestants already, uh, it looks great. So just do whatever you think would work. Um, I'll definitely give you uh, my opinion, but I just want you to do what expresses you. So have fun with it. Send uh, your uh, say that you're willing to enter by April, uh, second week of April, and we'll get that going. Let's get into the next decade, the 1990s of exploration to Mars. Back then, in space. Welcome to the 1990s, the year of the FBCs, faster, better, cheaper. NASA's attempt to reach the red planet came again in the 1990s when they launched the Mars Observer on September 25, 1992. Catastrophically, communication of the spacecraft itself was lost just before it achieved Mars orbit on August 21, 1993. The communication loss still can't be explained to this day, but it was most likely due to a fuel tank rupture that caused the spacecraft to spin out of control. So, the spacecraft had no way of focusing its communication back to Earth. Not only was this a loss of scientific importance, it was also a massive blow to NASA itself, because the spacecraft itself was extremely expensive. In 1990s US dollars, the spacecraft was supposed to cost $212 million, but was estimated at a final tally of $813 million. This sparked a giant movement at NASA to create better, faster, cheaper, or FBC missions. These FBC missions would take advantage of a new team management technique and advanced computer electronics to reduce cost. This new change was also a way to offset the rising costs that were to come with the future International Space Station. While this change took place at NASA, Mars Global Surveyor left Earth on November 7, 1996. When it arrived on September 12, 1997, it started its global mapping mission and mapped the planet from pole to pole, finding many ancient signs of water, like hematite, a mineral that forms in water, and gullets. It would be a part of the Mars Exploration Program that it Forming atmospheric monitoring for sister orbiters and to help relay surface telemetry and identify potential landing sites for future rovers and lander missions. The data from MGS helped NASA decide where to land rovers in 2004 and took pictures the public wanted, including recapturing the famous face on Mars. The Soviet Union had its try the red planet once again with the Mars 96 mission. Unfortunately, the orbiter, two landers, and two penetrators were all lost after the rocket failed. NASA's new FTC mission had been set, and the first one was a great success. In July of 1997, the Pathfinder lander and Sojourner rover had reached Pathfinder lander was the first to use airbags to push his land. Sojourner was the first rover to move across the surface of Mars, even though it was slow and not so graceful. 
Pathfinder to inspect the last apartment. Its journal only a week. Both made it far past that the September of 1997, when communication with Pathfinder was finalized. Japan also entered the arena for Mars exploration in this decade with Nozomi, which launched on July 4th, 1998. In December of 2003, the orbiter failed to enter orbit. The tail end of the decade brought new light to the saying, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Two of NASA's FBC missions never had a chance of making it to Mars. The Mars Climate Orbiter which landed on December 11, 1998, just disappeared after it arrived at Mars in September of 1999. The reason is a mystery, but it's likely due to the fact that teams were operating in different units, one in metric and the other in interior units. The Mars Polar Lander and Deep Space 2, which was a set of two penetrators, Lost on January 3rd, 1999. These were also lost. The reason, again, is a mystery. But it is likely because the 640-pound lander thought it had landed and prematurely shut off its engine. Due to these failures and some others, the FPC model was put on the shelf and the top. Despite the failures that they have come across them in this decade, Discovery of the ancient water evidence of Mars re-sparked the Renaissance of Mars exploration. Perfect. The coming turn of the century. We move to the decade of And here we are, back in regular time. Uh, we're back in the, the, the next millennium. Uh, and now we're going to talk a little bit about Curiosity, uh, taken directly from uh, NASA's uh, website. Uh, here are the goals and accomplishments uh, of, of Curiosity. So uh, NASA's Mars Science Laboratory, which is, is what Curiosity carries on itself, uh, was a mission set down uh, to set down a large mobile laboratory, like we just said. Um, and they would use precision landing technology, which essentially, if you guys haven't seen it, I'll put up photos of, of the entire landing, and which was spectacular to watch live. But basically it looks like the Green Goblin's uh, uh, flying board, or whatever that's called. Sorry, uh, comic nerds, I apologize. Whatever the hell he was driving, that's exactly what the... Uh, the space crane looks like it's it's amazing um but it did that landing technology to make uh you know some of the most intriguing regions where we would want to put a rover down actually possible for the first time uh it was extremely controversial and up until the point where they actually landed uh most people really thought that it was going to fail um but they actually were able to land, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but from what I remember, uh, they actually were able to hover a little bit right before releasing uh, Curiosity, which was amazing, but that could have been due to um, 
you know, the gravity calculations in reality being a little less than they were anticipating, which is great uh, engineering-wise. That just means you engineered uh, to the safety limit, and it turns out in reality you prepared more than you needed to. That is perfectly fine. <laughs> Overworking in engineering is totally okay, um, as long as it doesn't cost more money, you know. Uh, but getting it there safely, that's priceless. So, uh, during the 23-month Prime mission, uh, Curiosity was uh, to analyze dozens of samples drilled from the rocks uh, or uh, scooped up from the ground uh, and explore a much bigger range of area uh, than any Mars rover had ever done before. Um, its assignment was to investigate whether conditions had been favorable for microbial life and for preserving clues in the rocks about possible past life. Basically, to curiously search for life. Sorry, that was that was a little corny, but it's true nonetheless. Uh, some of the accomplishments uh, in from the first Martian year, uh, I believe, uh, are are listed uh, below. Basically, the technology in general was a success. Uh, the rover was delivered safely on the surface and right away was able to send back images. Uh, I'll even have a, a video of the mission control for MSL and their reaction. It, it, it's, I would love to be a part of a team <laughs> that's able to experience something like that. Um, you know, it's kind of like wishing you were in the Super Bowl. I mean, there are a lot of different missions that don't ever become successful, but you could just see it in their eyes and, and, and their reaction, how excited they are. So check that out for sure. That'll be up on the website. Uh, ooh. Helicopter. Uh, is that two rotor? Can you guys hear that? I don't know. Anyways. Um, so uh, back to the top findings from a year on Mars. Uh, number one, ancient Mars could have the right chemistry to be suitable uh, to be a suitable home for life if life actually existed. Uh, back then, uh, the rover found evidence of an ancient stream bed where water once flowed uh, that could have been knee-deep. Uh, during its trip to Mars, uh, it was also testing uh, the radiation levels to see if it posed a, um, a health risk to astronauts on their way there, which, uh, according to its findings, were large. So thus you see Orion um, testing its radiation levels as well. Um, so all those things help us get one step closer to putting people on the planet. Uh, Curiosity also found no evidence of, or didn't find any evidence, of methane in the air of Mars. Uh, methane uh, could very well be a sign of life uh, but it continues to search um, after this was written, after the first year. Um, and the landing site itself was rich in different environments, which are all clues to Mars' watery past. So it's, uh, it's funny, because I had this conversation with John, uh, actually, before we recorded last week's episode, um, where it's really interesting how, you know, now people just kind of are like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, water on Mars, you know, you know, what else is new, bro? Um, it's like, really? It's like, before that, everyone thought, like, as I'm sure you've heard, when we go through the history, the decades, 
it's it's just hilarious how people, especially now, can just become so jaded with things. But um, let's go back and touch on the first decade of the millennium, and then we'll come back and talk about some of the more recent findings of curiosity. The decade of Y2K. Orbiters and rovers, rovers and orbiters. Mars Odyssey was launched in early 2001 and arrived at Mars on October 24, 2001. The spacecraft has turned over 350,000 images to Earth, maps, the distributions of several elements across the planet, and was instrumental in relating data to the Spirit and Opportunity rovers as it related more than 95% of all data from them. Thank you. 
launched in 2014 and made it to orbit around Mars on September 21st, 2014. It's hoping to give us a better understanding of why Mars is atmosphere thin over billions of years by observing the changes in the atmosphere. This could also help us understand how our atmosphere might change as well. India enters the Mars exploration race in the second decade of the new millennium with Mars, or the Mars Orbiter Mission. It successfully arrived in orbit in 2014. The orbiter was able to image the planet and transmitted several images back to it, which were released to the public. And that about wraps it up for my part of this. I hope you enjoyed. Now back to today's case. So uh, let's get back to curiosity, a few events uh, that's happened in the last year or so. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed uh, uh, Mars exploration through the decades. I had a fun time putting that together. Um, let's get back to this. So uh, curiosity's arm had stopped working uh, this past February. Um, it was doing a, a drilling operation um, uh, at uh, Telegraph Peak on February 24th, 2015. Um, three days after that, um, a fault protection action uh, by the rover, it just stopped the transfer of the sample powder it was collecting uh, during drilling because it had this uh, short circuit uh, that had happened. So uh, the teams went in, um, according to uh, Jim Erickson, who's a Curiosity project manager, uh, we are running tests on the vehicle uh, in its presence configuration before we move the arm or drive. Uh, this gives us the best opportunity to determine, to determine where the short is. Um, so, you know, when the fault occurred, uh, the rover was in the first steps of transferring that rock powder into uh, the arm of the laboratory uh, experiments that are inside the rover. Um, so, like, like we just said, a bunch of things happened. Now, apparently, they have fixed that, uh, which is which is fantastic. It's good to hear. Uh, let me just check here. Actually, if you want to follow uh, a lot of this stuff, I had gotten just directly from um, uh, Curiosity's uh, Twitter page. Which, let's just put this in perspective: a robot rover on Mars has 1.85 million followers on Twitter. I mean, there are people who do terrible things just to get a thousand. So <laughs> it's a good sign to show that people are actually interested. Um, but uh, yes, so March 12th, um, it, Curiosity is heading to Mount Sharp, um, higher on March, Mount Sharp right now. I'm, I'm having a hard time saying that. Um, but it's in good health. So that's fantastic. Uh, some more news. Uh they previously we had said that there was no methane found uh, in this air of Mars, but um, according to uh, uh, December sixteenth of last year, two thousand fourteen, um, on JPL's uh, site for for NASA, 
it apparently did find some methane in the air. Um, apparently, it was just brief, uh, brief spikes uh, that happened. So their assumption is that it has to be, you know, pretty localized from where it is. Um, but basically, um, you know, there are many possible sources, but biological or non-biological, um, that could be from an interaction of water and rock. Um, but I mean, this is fantastic because before uh, there was, there was no way of even, you know, we didn't have any evidence of it. Um, now the idea is, you know, okay, you know, between, you know, the, the few readings they've had between late 2013 and 2014, um, we got to figure out where this is coming from. Um, so, you know, it's also detect, Curiosity has also detected different organic chemicals, um, you know, in, in the rock bed of uh, Cumberland, uh, which is great because it was the first, like, real finding of organics in the surface of, uh, of Mars. Um, they could have been formed on Mars, or they could have been brought there by a meteorite, uh, just like it happens on Earth. Um, but either way, it's the there's actually organics that were found. Um, so they're still looking for it. It's it's still very much in the air. Uh, we don't really understand why uh, this methane level just spikes and, and goes away. Um, it's kind of like that you know that great pie you smell across the uh, across the neighborhood. Uh, goes and it comes, you know, and then you got to try and figure out, all right, where did it come from? You got to find it. It smells pretty good. Uh, what else? What else do we have? Um, oh, this is pretty cool too. Uh, NASA and Microsoft have teamed up to develop software that's called OnSite, and they're going to use uh, potentially, um, you know, a rover to project. Uh, a meeting of scientists so that they can actually go around an area on Mars and look at it so that basically I'm not sure is it that yeah so they're gonna will enable scientists to work virtually on Mars using wearable technology called the Microsoft HoloLens so it uh, on-site gives uh, our rover scientists the ability to walk around and explore Mars right from their offices. Uh, this is according to Dave La Lavery, Lavery, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, who's a program executive for the Mars Science Laboratory Mission, MSL. Um, it fundamentally changes our perception of Mars and how we understand the Mars environment surrounding the rover. Now, this is all my uh, uh, guessing and just thinking out loud, um, but I'm guessing some kind of Oculus Rift type um, technology where they'll just be able to literally put it on and whatever the rover is able to project um, the the people wearing this headpiece will actually be able to walk around and, and check depth levels and look around rocks and this and that which is amazing I mean that's that's almost that's almost better than uh, you know using a teleporter like in Star Trek you know sending people there um, you don't even have to go anywhere. You can do it from right, you know, like, I'm going to take a break. Let's, uh, let's check out Mars for a little bit and, uh, put the headpiece on and, uh, just check it out. Check it out. Uh, I'm sure it's not that easy. I'm sure there's a lot of prep that's got to go into it because not only are you simulating an environment that's already there, so you've got to scan it, send it through the rover, then you've got to send that to a satellite that then relays that information back to Earth and it gets downloaded. There's a lot that goes into it. But, and that's just from the stuff that I've read online. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think that's freaking cool. So, I mean, the great thing about a rover being there with the kind of technology it has is they can keep, just like we've seen with a lot of these different uh, Mars missions that are able to last longer than they're supposed to, um, they just push the bounds of the technology that they have on board. Uh, and it's it's incredible what they're able to do with this stuff. Um, but all this stuff will be online. Um, you know, I, I think I think that about sums it up, man. I, I, uh, I had a really fun time putting this episode together. Um, I hope you guys enjoy these episodes. Uh, they're a little bit um, more uh, information-driven. Um, but I think that's important, especially with the history of it. Um, I, I think it's important to see where we've come from this stuff to understand just how amazing it is where we are now. I hope that came through today. Uh, but other than that, guys, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much to the fans that keep uh, keep up. Uh, if you want to help out the show, um, there's a bunch of things you can do. First of all, check us out at todayinspace.net. That's our website. That's our, our flagship for this whole operation. Um, you can also check us out on Twitter. You can check me out at El Greco, E-L-G-R-3-C-O, on Facebook at Today in Space Podcast on Facebook, like I just said, um, and we've got some new things coming up, uh, can't really talk about them, but, uh, just cause it's too early, it's too soon, it's too soon to do that, um, but good things coming, uh, this Friday, remember, uh, the launch to send Scott Kelly, astronaut Scott Kelly, to space for his year-long mission, um, oh, and something little uh that you may notice uh when they talk about the expedition teams you know the 43 uh just started 42 just came back i hope those numbers are right um scott kelly will be there for a few missions because he is going to be the one that's actually going to be there for a year so that's going to be longer than most of those expeditions even last um please check that out i think it's extremely it's incredible first of all i mean the fact that they're even doing this is it's, inc- it's amazing. Um, but uh, I'll try and keep all of you up to date uh, as much as I can. Like I said, I need to sit through a four-hour class on a Friday night because weather is a uh, nightmare this year. Uh, what else? What else? I think that's it, guys. Uh, thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, more to come. More to come. We'll be back indefinitely. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Definitely uh two weeks from now and we'll have an episode uh maybe some plugged in here or there uh my schedule is just way too crazy at the moment to do something every week and that probably won't change but if it does you'll be the first people to know about it thank you for listening to today in space uh the contest remember uh you have until the second week of april uh let me give you guys a an actual date here uh you have until uh, April 15th to send in an entry to say that you are going to be involved in the contest. Um, otherwise, um, whoever's in by then will be in the contest. Um, the winner gets free advertising of their art. I know how hard it is to do something artistic and to get the word out. Um, this is my way of giving back. So if you're interested, please get involved. Cushy, stop biting that. 
and uh, we'll be back very soon with another episode of Today in Space. Goodbye, look up, question everything. Good night, folks.